Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the 20th Century Girls podcast. Hi, welcome back, you guys. Wow, I feel like it's been a long time since we've done this. <laughs> I feel like a fish out of water again. <laughs> Honestly, like, it feels really weird. I felt, like, so weird doing all, like, the research and stuff like that. I was like, okay, this is new. I haven't done this in a long time. <laughs> I know. Hand cramping and everything again. Yep. <sighs> but it's good. It's good therapy for us. Yes, finally get back into it. My hand doesn't cramp too bad just because I'm still in school and I'm still taking mm-hmm. notes all the time. But yeah, I do not. So. <laughs> it, <laughs> I don't remember any of those hand muscles and finger muscles. <laughs> but it was definitely different. I it's been a long time since I had to watch like hours of YouTube videos and like look up different pictures and like up articles and all that kind of stuff to actually do the notes like myself. I'm used to just here's a PowerPoint. Let's copy that. <laughs> So, today, we are doing the 1930s fashion, guys. Yes, finally the episode that we promised months ago. (laughs) Basically. Basically. We're still slow. We're trying to get back into the gist of things, but we are here. Hopefully, it's 1930s fashion. (laughs) Hopefully, after this episode, we finally get back into somewhat of a rhythm. Um, We have a couple episodes planned for May, so hopefully we get back into it with uh this episode uh i do have to mention a quick side note uh my dog is in the background over here the only way that i could keep her quiet was giving her a huge t-bone steak bone so (laughs) um if you hear her i am sorry but uh it's better than her barking i promise (laughs) um but yeah let's get into our 1930s fashion (laughs) So, in our 1920s fashion episode, we did discuss how crazy, like, the fashion started to change during that time, because it was the roaring 20s. How radical that was. (laughs) Yes, very radical. That's a great word to put it. Um, But back in the, but going into 1930s, the fashion made a return to conservatism styles after the crazy, crazy roaring 20s. Yeah, um, it's very different. Because uh, obviously the 1930s um, in America, obviously we were going through the depression, um, the stock market crash, all that stuff. The Midwest was dealing with the Dust Bowl. Mm-hmm. So That's it was true. basically, it was terrible throughout the entire country for most of the 30s. At least. Oh, God. Hopefully that's not 2020s for us. <laughs> oh, God. Woo! Don't jinx it. <laughs> Knock on wood. Knock on wood, guys. But on the good part. Something that to me is very exciting. Style in the 1930s was now very heavily influenced from Hollywood films and celebrities. This is when we actually really get to see how celebrities start to turn and influence the people. And we know still nowadays, hey, Harry Styles is wearing that shirt. What is he wearing? How much is it? I want it. He wears that hat. We influence our styles by celebrities all the time nowadays. You see a person you like on Instagram and you're like, oh my God, I love that outfit. Where can I get it? Exactly. So. And so some of the, of course, there's many because films were starting to get out of the, out of the talkie or sorry, we're starting to get into the talkies. Yeah. Um, And so a lot, there's a whole bunch of new celebrities coming around, but some really big fashion icons, we'll name more later on, um, but some of them were Clark Gable, Shirley Temple, and Jane Harlow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, a lot of the time when we were going, when people were going through the depression, really the only thing they kind of had to do was go to the movies. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge pastime for at least normal people, obviously you have the difference in the 30s between the wealthy people who just got wealthier in the 30s, which, again, we still have now. It still happens. Uh, versus the people who are actually dealing with um, losing their houses, living in, like, ghettos, losing in, like, losing everything, basically. Yep. Um, so we'll get into the difference of, like, the fashion between, like, the celebrities and how they dressed versus, like, how it started to influence the people i guess later on um so obviously in our last episode of for the 20s we talked about i basically started off by listing some of the colors that uh influenced the 30s um in terms of fashion homes things like that um 
And obviously, again, I watched a ton of YouTube videos um, on the colors of the 1930s. I looked up pictures from the 30s, the ones that we can't find in color because there weren't very many. (laughs) Um, So some of just the colors that some of these things mentioned. Um, Apparently, purple was a huge color back then. Yes. Uh, Love purple. Different ranges of purple. Uh, I think it's super funny because purple is usually associated with, like, the color of royalty. Um, That's true. Uh, Yeah. I think it's interesting that, like, during this time of, like, people losing everything, like, they turned to a color that basically symbolized wealth and, like, high-end things. Manifesting, guys. (laughs) Basically. It was, like, a comfort color. Mm -hmm. Purple kind of is. It is a comfort color. Because it's, like, it also resembles love. Besides red, it resembles love. So, and there were That's various my favorite ranges colors. Um, from, like, a dark purple to lilac was actually a huge color for, like, eyeshadows, mm-hmm. which I personally can't stand lilac eyeshadow, but, I mean, to each their own, everybody has I'm kind of surprised thing. that they would use lilac eyeshadow. Like, in the 60s, sure, but in the 30s? Yeah. I was okay. surprised, too. Um, but, apparently, that was a color that people use uh we'll get into like the beauty styles obviously a little bit later um but also uh greens and like teals were also something that kind of carried over from the 20s I remember and green Um, is your favorite color yes (laughs) (laughs) uh but it was more of like a really light teal Mm -hmm. like I don't even know if I could call it teal it's like I don't know what color I would describe it exactly but it's like Almost aqua. Mm-hmm. It's like an aqua mix. I don't know what you would call that. Yeah, I, I know what you... Yeah. <laughs> almost an aquamarine with a hint of more... Yeah. It's yeah. almost like a light aquamarine. Um, but this was really big in home decoration, actually. Um, and eventually later began to, you know, show up in fashion mixed with, you know, different colors and things like that. Um, obviously... You know, we see a lot of, like, pink, soft roses, like, rose color. Again, because we're going back to femininity in the 30s. Um, so, it kind of just, it kind of just depends. A really big color combination was, like, that light aquamarine plus, like, a really muted, like, rose-colored pink, which I always, I think is beautiful. I love those two colors when they're mixed. Um, light yellow, again, it's a happy color. I love it personally. Um, And then a surprising one was orange. There is a lot of orange. Why? (laughs) (laughs) And again, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast before, but I can't stand orange clothing. I, I really can't. I, I don't know why you would choose to wear such a bright orange color. I know some people look amazing in it. Maybe it's just me. I don't look very good in it. But I don't know. I've seen some people rock it and kill it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen some styles and I'm just like, that should not be orange. I feel like it depends on the material it's on. Like if it's a satin material, it, I, it can work on some I think people. orange and satin. And I think the shade but, of orange. Yeah, but if it's just a tacky orange cotton, like, men's (laughs) t-shirt, no thank you. (laughs) Honestly, like, it's a weird, like, I also do think it's, like, the shade of orange. Like, I can do, I can handle, like, a really light orange. I think that's, I think that can be really pretty. But I don't like, like, that bright orange. Dark, bright, almost neon orange. Like, I don't. I don't know what it is. I'm going to take us for a moment into the 1990s, 2000s era. (laughs) Every time. Okay, so spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Friends. So, when Chandler proposes to Monica, why does he have to wear the ugliest orange shirt? Of course, it's not him. It's the, it's um, the designers. It's the costume designers. Yeah, it's the the costume designers of the show. Why would you do that? on what's supposed to be one of the most romantic episodes. I can't, and it doesn't look good on him. I cannot stand it. Like, all I can think, I can't, I can't focus on the proposal. I just Mm-mm. look at how ugly that orange shirt is. <laughs> like, it looks oh. awful. I'm pretty sure if Monica was wearing a, a light satin orange dress, I feel like she could pull it off perfectly. 
Yeah. But Chandler and that. Oh, sorry. That like when I now when someone no, brings up I, orange, I literally think of that and I'm just like, oh. I 100% get it because I feel the exact same way. Um, but orange was typically paired with a lot of other colors. Um, there was one 1930s dress that I saw a picture of that I actually did like. Um, it was white, but it had orange polka dots on it. That's fine. I thought that was perfectly all right. I was like, that's really cute. I would wear that. If the orange is the only color. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it was an orange dress with white polka dots, I'd feel the opposite. But I Mm -hmm. think because it was mostly, I don't know. We'll get into like patterns. Hints here and there. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I can picture that. That'd be cute. I think that's fine. But just, yeah, no. I, no. Anyway, Mm -mm. I'm not going to rant about orange anymore. Moving on. Um, (laughs) So obviously with the, always with the beginning of the V's, um, I typically like to go into like the body ideal that people were trying to achieve. Obviously, again, we do, I preface this always by saying everybody is great. Everybody's beautiful. Just this was the body ideal at the time, just the same way that we have body ideals today, which I don't believe in, but at the time that was what everybody believed. Obviously we eventually, uh, we move on from how we see things back then and how we do things. Um, so obviously during the 1920s, um, we talked about how people were almost trying to like get rid of, like kind of just not exactly accentuate like their bodies, but it was actually, it was kind of a time where you kind of wanted to look almost boyish, I guess. Like you wanted like no curves whatsoever. More casual. Yay. <laughs> yes. Which I'm totally fine with. I love the fact that we did that because nowadays there are some days where I don't like to look like very feminine or anything like that. Um, I love wearing sweats and a (laughs) t-shirt. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like so confident in that sometimes. I'm just like, yes. Yeah, no, like we don't record this podcast and like our best dress now we're recording oh, in sweatpants hoodies and casual throw over dresses sort of thing you know sometimes um, our pajamas still because why not have a pajama day <laughs> so again we do think the 1920s for that but personally I have more of a feminine style um I love things like dresses and skirts and stuff so I love more than me that is true mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love that we eventually kind of moved a little bit back into that um so again, the body ideal back then was um, very thin, almost slinky looking, um, you know, smaller chest. Um, you know, we wanted to accentuate the waistline, um, very like streamlined hips, nothing too curvy per se, which we'll eventually later on get into like how you wanted to accentuate your curves and stuff. But back then you did not want to do that. You just wanted to accentuate your waistline. Um, so, and then a lot of the beauty ideal, again, we have these thin, high arched eyebrows. Oh gosh. They, oh my goodness. I, I don't even know how, (laughs) like, I really don't, I don't know how in the world they even did that because a lot of eyebrows don't just naturally sit up there mm-hmm. like, I think because back then women would shave their eyebrows too so it might it might not even be their real eyebrows it might just be the eyebrow I'm pretty uh, positive uh, it's not color yeah because you look at it and you're like that's not your real eyebrow Mm-mm. there's no way um and then obviously we talked about the eyeshadow um it was very light it was never very heavy um you still wanted to look natural in your eyes and stuff like that um so again, lilac was an interesting color that I found uh, for more of just like an everyday sort of look you would do like a brown or like a like a light pink or like a mauve color. Um, but the 30s were actually all about lashes. <laughs> and I found Ooh. that super interesting. Um, a lot of people wore fa- false lashes. Again, that was huge with celebrities. Um, yeah. And then more of a glossy red lip versus mm-hmm. a matte lip. And as we talked about, a really good example of what 
1930s makeup was supposed to look like is Jean Harlow. The ideal beauty was Jean Harlow, basically. For sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, now we will get into fashion. Like Yay! Actual fashion aspects and things. So, for women's fashion, like Megan said, I'm pretty much just going to say the same thing. <laughs> um, the simple lines did return uh, in order to emphasize the woman's body silhouette. For more, like, natural curvy waist, um, skirts started to flare out. And the skirt length would get slightly longer again because, you know, we got a little risque during the 20s and try <laughs> to lift it up. So they're trying to, you know, put it back down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so pretty much they wanted to go back to a romanticism and femininity look. Um, and in addition, like Megan said, uh, the dress with dots and other patterns included floral, plaid, and gosh, who knows whatever other patterns you can polka think of. Dots. I love polka dots, you guys. I do too. <laughs> I do too. And then one of my favorite themes is evening wear. Um, so satin dresses with low backs became very popular style back then, which backless I is huge. Love. <laughs> I love, love, love. Um, yeah. So basically, like your ideal fashion look. Um, we're gonna I'm gonna get into this a little bit later um you're the idea between like fashion of like people who had money versus people who didn't is a little bit different um but these are kind of the things that just overall everybody kind of had in common um a hat again was always a necessity you did not go out without your hat um but one thing I found interesting was uh, kind of in the 1930s, people liked their hats to be, like, really tight around their head. <laughs> like, it wasn't very, like, we know in the 1920s I talked about how people were wearing cloche hats. Yes, um, that's Which, what again, it is, is yeah. very, like, tight to the head. But people got a little bit different with the 30s. Um so we talked about in the 20s how elastic bands kind of started to become a thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, with men's underwear, as we talked about. Oh, gosh. Um, so eventually <laughs> elastic bands were added to uh, women's hats so that it would fit basically around their head. Um, but yeah, so hats, a lot of the really popular ones. We still had the cloche hat, but eventually it got a wider brim on it where like the bottom of it would kind of hit like the bottom of your shoulders. So, like, it got, like, a huge wide brim on it. Um, something called the madcap, which was basically, like, a really tight, I want to, like, it's almost like a beanie. Like, it looks super, like. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, berets became really big. Um, they were they were in the 20s, too, but they became, like, even bigger in the 1930s. And sailor hats, surprisingly, were. A really big thing in the uh, thir- sailor, just everything kind of mm-hmm. became a thing in the thirties. Which honestly, I don't mind. I I always love the sailor outfits too. So I know they're actually really cute. They like, are. So yeah, no. Uh, and later on in the thirties, uh, we started to introduce things like fedoras and kind of like an early pillbox hat, which eventually we'll go into in later episodes. I love pillbox hats. I think they're mm-hmm. so freaking cute. Um, oh my goodness. I have one in my closet that I was supposed to wear for Dapper Day this past, like, last year and stuff like that. So I'm just waiting for a day that I can wear it. Oh, soon, hopefully. Um, just yeah, go to the so, grocery store with it on. Here, I know. It's fine. I'm, like, I'm just going to wear it just for fun. Um so, like Christina said, and like I said earlier, uh, the dresses became more feminine. The hemline was lowered. Uh, basically, it would kind of go to, like, your mid-calf. So, think of, like, a midi dress today, basically. Like, that's about how long it would be. Um, gloves were always a necessity um, for both evening wear and day wear. Um, you know, you just you wanted to look dainty. I guess. Yeah. Like true. feminine and dainty, which was like the complete opposite of the twenties, basically. Um, and that's then crazy. yeah, e- mm. 
<laughs> and then, yeah, evening wear for celebrities was a huge thing. Um, you know, satin fabric. It was very shiny. Furs, uh, if you could afford them. Mm-hmm. Uh, fur was a really big thing. And backless was huge. Um, we do I not really support. Probably- I, I apologize. We do not support fur. <laughs> Go ahead, get your faux fur. That's fine. That's but fine. Don't you dare get real fur nowadays. That's <laughs> naughty, naughty, naughty. We do not support that. Thank you very no. much. But again, we've evolved. People now, nowadays we don't wear fur, but uh, back then, apparently we did. Um, <laughs> so a couple style icons, uh, because as we, as Christina mentioned earlier, um, celebrities really started to influence um how we dressed in the regular world. So a really big style icon was the lovely Greta Garbo. Um, she was obviously an actress, a Swedish actress who mm-hmm. came to Hollywood. I didn't know she was Swedish. Yeah. Ma- that- yeah. Massive actress during the thirties for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but she, again, she was very popular. She, you know, she kind of made like a lot of the things that she kind of influenced was the hair. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of think of like Greta Garbo's hair, it's very flat and straight on the top, but it's curly on the bottom. Uh So that became like one of the biggest hairstyles of the time. Um, Short, um, flat on top, uh, curly on the bottom. Um, And she made casual wear very sleek and sophisticated like it's it's interesting to me um but she retired very early in her career so you know she influenced a lot of like early 30s fashion 30s fashion uh and another uh style icon we mentioned uh was marlena dietrich i'm gonna pronounce that wrong i'm so sorry um who was a german actress um and I found this interesting. She was the first woman uh, ever to dress as a man. There's really? A, yeah. There's a very famous photo of her in a tuxedo and a top hat. Um, oh, wow. I that, actually would have thought Greta Garbo would have been one of the first people to do that. Yeah. Interesting. It's actually Marlena Dietrich. So, I mean, Greta Garbo was very well known for, like, her pantsuits and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was true. a... It was a very big thing when Marlena Dietrich did that. Um, And she was really huge for wearing uh, pantsuits. Mm -hmm. To the point I found out that the mayor of Paris actually threatened to ban her (laughs) if she wore pantsuits in Paris ever again. Oh, my God. (laughs) she did not get banned. Um, But I just found that interesting. (laughs) Because before, women weren't wearing pantsuits. So... We can thank them for that, obviously. Yes. We love we love our pants now because I don't like wearing dresses every day. <laughs> I don't even know when I wore a dress last. <laughs> like, especially because, you know, Corona. Yeah, I don't have anywhere to go. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm happy in shorts and a tank top and flip-flops. Mm-hmm. That is my outfit. Yep, that's for sure. Um... So, again, I want to talk about a couple of designers from the decade. Um, So, a really big one that I had never heard of um, beforehand was a woman named Eliza Scapinelli. Scapinelli. I don't know how to say it exactly. Um, She was an Italian designer. And she was... She was basically known for, like, adding fun back to like fashion good for her so she um she kind of made things like she made really fun buttons on all of her dresses um two dresses that she was really known for was a a dress called the tear dress I don't know why in the world it was called a tear dress I guess it was kind of like it draped a lot so it almost looked like it was kind of torn up um and there was a dress called the skeleton dress which basically looked like the bones were protruding with, with like padding, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard of that one actually. Yeah, you can find this dress anywhere if you look up the skeleton dress. Um, I, 
I'd heard of it, but I never really thought to like look it up. I was like, oh, it's probably just something basic. Um, but she was really big into the surreal movement. Um, and she just thought fashion really needed some fun. Um, we can credit her for kind of bringing in like a hot pink. Oh, um, so, I do like hot pink. Yeah, hot pink it was then known as Scaparelli pink. So, oh, how cool. And, now we know it is hot pink um and something i found interesting in the 1920s we talked about uh coco chanel chanel hated her yeah. <laughs> uh, like we said before chanel was very known for like functional and like classic looks um obviously with the mentions like the little black dress things like that uh and scaffinelli was the exact opposite of her <laughs> so she hated her, and I found that interesting, which I means I, which means I like Scaparnelli better because I don't like Chanel. So, <laughs> um, but another designer of the time, which was really big in the evening wear scene, um, which you know we love, um, was a man named Gilbert Adrian, which he just went by Adrian most of the time. Um, but yeah, he was really big in. Um, kind of defining what like the evening wear looked like at the time like he did a lot of celebrity looks and things like that um, but I know you won't like this <laughs> oh no but uh, he was also a costume designer so we can thank him for one of the most iconic dresses and shoes ever the out, he designed the costumes for Wizard of Oz. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> when you said dress and shoes, I was like, ah, it's Wizard of Oz. Yep. Um, he is the man behind the red ruby slippers. Mm. Um, well, you know what? Those are iconic. So good those for are you. Iconic. Those are a part of history now, basically. Um, but fun fact, Christina hates the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I was going to say, I will say I hate it. I've only seen it a couple times, but I don't necessarily enjoy it when I watch it. I mean, if I do, the only parts I enjoy are the flying monkeys because, you know, I always side with the villain. Okay, I don't always side with the villain, but I have an appreciation for villains, like Disney villains. I love Disney villains. And, you know, flying monkeys, that's fun. So Yeah, it's so fun. (laughs) That movie. It's just, it is not my favorite film. Yes. (laughs) I personally really like it. It's yeah. it's not one of my favorites, but it's it's like a weird comfort movie for me. Um, and Somewhere Over the Rainbow is one of my favorite um, songs ever from that time. Um, <laughs> you guys can see the face that Christy is making. Right I'm now. sorry. I'm just... Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of that film or song even if you don't like it you can at least appreciate what it did for cinema yeah like it it changed cinema it it changed cinematic history oh yeah no that's for sure (laughs) um i was okay i wasn't a fan of judy garland for a long time i just have not seen a lot of her stuff so therefore i can't even say if i am a fan or not However, when I did rewatch Easter Parade with Fred Astaire and Judy Garland, she did do a very good performance, and I actually enjoyed her in that show, in that movie. So, I shall leave it at that. <laughs> I've seen a couple of her movies. My, uh, I love her version of A Star Is Born. I think it's really interesting, um, especially knowing what was happening in her personal life at the time. Um, and uh, Mimi in St. Louis is <laughs> just. It's such a good song. It's such a good movie. I can't. They play it at Disneyland on Main Street sometimes. Oh, they do. I've never even noticed that. Yeah. So I only watched the movie in when I when we were in quarantine because I was like, okay, it's one of those movies that like one of our um, one of our friends was always telling me back then to watch it, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna watch it. I'm just gonna like just why not? Um. And it was so good. So now uh, I want to go back to Disneyland and listen and like wait for that song to play <laughs> on Main Street. Um, 
Okay, but, detour. Yeah. Detour back. <laughs> Where were we? It's difficult to do that. But yeah, he's Fashion. credited for yes. uh, creating one of the most iconic dresses and shoes of the time. Everybody knows the red ruby slippers from Wizard of Oz, even if you've never seen the movie. They're actually supposed to be at the new motion picture museum or something, I think. <laughs> and I have been waiting so long for that to open. I cannot wait to go. I think it was supposed to open a little bit ago, but you know, Corona. So no, I cannot. Need, I cannot wait to go. We need to make a trip. That's for yes. sure. Yes. Um, but again, as we were talking about earlier, um, a lot of the things that were kind of happening during the '30s, um, especially in terms of fashion, normal people that were kind of just living everyday lives. They weren't exactly wearing all the same things. Um, so some people were, did have like evening wear stuff, but it wasn't like the most popular things around among like normal people. Um, so I'll get into that a little bit right now, I guess. Um, we were still wearing like very modest, um, the same silhouette of dress. Again, never went out without your hat and gloves. Um, you know, kind of the basic stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's basically kind of the same thing. Um, they had a bit of different patterns and, um, fabrics and stuff, but one thing I, uh, found interesting that I actually learned back when I was a kid, (laughs) um, was in the thirties, they, um, ended up later making having to kind of scrape by so basically people started to make dresses out of flour and chicken feed sacks and <laughs> this reminds us of our childhood and american girl kit kittredge i anytime i hear about flower sack dresses i always think about that movie and the story oh, yes. oh. i she was always one my of our favorite doll so yep. i i always loved her. i read all of her books I saw the movie when it came out. I brought my doll oh, with me. Yes, I went. We we all auditioned for Kit too, huh? Yeah, we all went we did to that too, audition. Yeah. <laughs> they had a open call audition, and we all went. <laughs> and our other friend went too. And we're like, wow. So um, yeah, no, yeah. that was a big part of our childhood, actually. Um, yeah. But she was always my favorite. I remember I learned about that. I learned about how they wore like flower sack dresses but I never really obviously I wasn't into this much into fashion when I was younger um but basically the people who manufactured like the sacks and stuff like that they started putting patterns on their dresses on their on their uh the sacks they would come with so that people could eventually turn them into dresses that's really cool actually so I thought that was super cool. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. Because obviously, like, if I think of a flower sack, like, I just think of, like, a brown potato sack. Brown, white, yeah. Just yeah. plain. Um, So, I thought it was super cool that they started to, like, put patterns on them. And then people eventually decided to turn it into fashion, which was super innovative. Um, You know. DIY original. But also, <laughs> it was during the Great Depression. So these people were having very difficult financial times. So they had to make do with what they had. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I thought, uh, I don't have too much on sleepwear. Like we talked about too much in the last episode. One thing I found super interesting though, was that, um, women somewhat started to wear pants to sleep. Yay. As and, you uh, should. <laughs> as if you, you want. <laughs> if you want. Um, but, and also, uh, rompers became a thing for yes. sleeping. I love rompers. <laughs> <laughs> Not for sleeping. For I fashion That's purposes. That's, like, somewhat starting to rompers. come back, but, mm-hmm. like, sleeping in rompers. And I don't understand it, per se, because I'm like, what do you have to go to the bathroom? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great for going out in fashion, but, yeah, sleeping, getting that off in the middle of the night, I'm like, oh, no. My brain right? doesn't work at that time. <laughs> All right, now we're going to hop on over to the men's fashion. Um, Like we said, 
same for the women. It was the same for the men. Cinema had very heavily influenced men's fashion as well. Um, for example, Clark Gable, Mr. Clark Gable, <laughs> um, was one of the biggest fashion icons for men at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, so much so that uh, he said he didn't wear undershirts um, while filming his film. It happened one night, which came out in 1934. And when he made that comment, undershirt sales dropped. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. But <laughs> like we said, celebrities have that power of influence over us. And mm-hmm. That's just how it is. And um, so over to day wear, um, they were starting to become a lot more casual, too. Yeah, uh, it started to. I mean, people were still wearing suits. Um, which yes. we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but it did become a lot more casual. Yeah, more comfy for the men, yeah. um, such as, like, having knitted sweaters, soft-collared shirts. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. They were dealing with a lot, so. <laughs> yeah, so why not? So, yes, it was becoming uh, more comfortable, I would say. Um, but, again, the traditional suit still, you know, still kept its hold on people, I guess. Um and you basically had two, um, two to three different styles of suits. You had the traditional suit, um, which was single or double-breasted suit style. Um, the coat typically went below your butt, basically. Um, and they had a straight pant leg. So basically, like if you think of like a suit and it has like the two buttons kind of on the side... Um, like that's basically what that is. Yeah. With the double breasted suits, um, it was a little bit different. You had the six buttons going horizontal, um, three buttons and the top button was always unbuttoned basically to kind of give the appearance of almost looking whiter. Um, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But um, this was the actually last decade of the three-piece suit. Eventually, oh. it would move over, um, which would basically consist of pants, a vest, and a coat. Um, and then you had a more drape-type suit, uh, which was more expensive. It exaggerated the shoulders a little bit more. Um, the waist was a little bit tighter. Um, the leg was more full uh, and the waist was higher on those. Um, and yeah, it's it's almost like what we think of a suit today. Um, like a normal suit, basically. Eventually, that's what we moved into. Um, whereas basically, a collared undershirt, a jacket, pants, bottom button was always unbuttoned. For some reason, that's what I keep refrained i don't know i think it was my dad who actually told me like you always keep the bottom button on a suit unbuttoned and i never understood why (laughs) but we're women we don't know they're men it's interesting sometimes because when you see it some dudes like if you watch like movies and stuff like that they always leave that button unbuttoned that's true yeah sit they unbutton it and then like i know and then they stand up and they button it for a second and then they sit down and unbutton it i'm like why i never understood it but i I would say like maybe it's like a comfort thing but if it's not a comfort thing then why (laughs) i don't know i never understood it but that's just how it is um so yeah, suits were traditionally, um, they changed colors, um, a lot of things like tweed, checkered, um, simple colors, basically lighter colors became a thing, um, as well. And pocket watches started to return, which I thought was interesting. Um, people started to wear suspenders instead of wearing, uh, belts because the belt was a little bit too bulky at the time, I guess. I don't understand, but whatever. Um, and something I also found interesting. Men's fashion, I always find something interesting about the time. Like, something weird was invented that I never understood. Um, but the zipper fly was invented in 1937 mm-hmm. versus before they had button ones. And that just seems seriously uncomfortable to me. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, uh, ties were typically wide and were actually pretty short for the time. Um, and they were sometimes patterned. I found some, um, polka dot ties for dudes. I thought that was awesome. I was like, gotta say, we love our polka dots. Of course. Um, and then I thought this was funny because I know last episode we talked about like men's underwear and stuff like that, but briefs were invented for dudes in 1937. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, and I found it interesting that the first order ever of <laughs> briefs were sold out immediately. Oh my gosh. Oh, I never understood it, but I was just like, all right, we talked about men's underwear last time. Let's mention that. Let's bring it up again. (laughs) Let's bring it up. Why not? And it's fashion. Um, And then as far as hair, uh, basically what you had three different styles of hair um, for most people. Um, You had the soft pompadour hair, uh, the flat and shiny hair, (laughs) because it was always shiny. Yeah, that's true. They probably greased it or something. It was always shiny. Uh, and then you had the, like, the very deep side part, and then mm-hmm. it was flat, and then it, like, curled, basically. <laughs> uh, and for hats, it really didn't change uh, from the 1920s. Uh, they still had the typical, they had the fedora hat, basically, uh, the brim was always angled towards the face. Mm-hmm. The newsboy cap, the straw hat, the bowler hat. Nothing really original. Guys' fashion didn't change too, too much. Um, it was their evening wear, actually, um, that changed a lot. Um, more than anything else in the um, men's fashion era. Yeah, so for evening wear, of course, they did want to remain formal for it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. So, classic black tuxedos for nighttime. Um, But they also started having white tuxedos uh, during the warmer weather. Because, you know, black brings in all the heat. So, white would stir the heat. So, you know, kind of keeps them cool a little bit. But, of course, another classic style icon (laughs) from back then was Mr. Fred Astaire with his top hat and tails. Um, He actually... Did not like to wear them. But, of course, that became his iconic style. So people would yeah. ask him for a long time to keep wearing it. And so he did for a little while. But then eventually he was like, no, not no, doing it ever I'm again. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. Incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> but he was a massive style icon for the top hat and tails. Oh, yes. That's for Which sure. is very classy. Oh, it is. It is uncomfortable to be in them. So. <laughs> oh, of course. He dances in them. So, yeah. oh my goodness um yeah no I thought it was super interesting the different colors that started to come about for men's uh formal wear in that white um a couple other colors I started to find I learned that the powder blue uh suit started to come about during this time in the 30s interesting I feel like it wouldn't be not till 50s I don't think it became super popular, but this is when it kind of started to get somewhat introduced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everybody was walking around in powder blue suits. Yeah, I I literally, like, I don't even know what movie it is, but I I just see the suit already. I know what, I I feel like I know what you're, you can honestly picture exactly the powder blue suit. (laughs) You know, you have seen it at some point in a movie somewhere. Um, But yeah. I thought it was super funny. Again, that was something that people, you know, emulated from things like movies. Uh, And one thing I found interesting was there started to be an option to rent and return your tuxedos. Oh, that's Um, when they started it. Yeah, because people... Making money. They still wanted to go out and have fun and, like, do things. So men could rent out a tuxedo for the night or whatever and then return it. So that was one way to boost the economy, I suppose. Um, and again, bow ties. <laughs> bow of ties were a thing at evening wear. Um, you know, it kind of just, it all depends. I just thought the colors were the most interesting thing um, for the evening wear for guys. For sure. And so we're going to 
briefly, very briefly, just talk about their sportswear. Um, they had a little bit of changes, but they kept some of the same stuff around from the 20s as well. So some of the other stuff they added were blazers, open neck shirts, and flannel trousers, which I'm sure were very um, nice looking. I say that sarcastically. Flannel trousers. Yeah, that's what I read. And I'm just like, why? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, however, some of the main fashion from the 20s, such as the trouser leg and the plus fours and lovely tweed still remain popular in this decade as well. Tweed now, and sportswear. I know. I'm just like, okay. I mean, I guess I'm, go- I don't know. I've worn tweed, like, print. I, that's very thick. I don't know. Maybe it was cold <laughs> <laughs> for the colder days. Um, anyway, so towards the end of the decade, of course, um, it didn't hit us per se, but in Europe, World War II was coming around. Um, so military trends were becoming popular, too, especially with the bomber jacket, which I personally always have loved bomber jackets. They're I love bomber jackets. Nice, nice, nice style. <laughs> oh, man. It, that's actually very true. I love bomber jackets. They're so cute. <laughs> on both guys and girls, actually. Yeah, both of us can pull it off. Yeah, sure. like they actually look super cute on both. Um, and speaking of bomber jackets, um, another really big jacket that kind of started to come up was the leather jacket. Um, this was sort of, which I mean, we have leather jackets still now. Yeah, I was so. like, still used today. So that shows <laughs> how successful of a fashion item that is. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, so leather jackets started to become a thing because we started to get motorcycles in the 30s. Yay. Um, Harley Davidson was one of the first to, obviously come out with the motorcycle and things like that um and again one thing I also found interesting was they had buttons originally and then when the zipper uh came out in 1937 I think um they eventually would have a zipper which thank god I don't want a leather jacket that's buttoned personally I don't think I would mind it too much depending depending how it looked I, I feel like the button if it's the clip button it would make it a lot easier because sometimes I still struggle with zippers, guys. Come on now. But oh yeah, dep- leather... depending how it looked on the jacket, then yes. I think so. My leather jacket, personally, it has both a zipper and the clip button so you could wear it like somewhat open sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I couldn't do like the traditional button. Like the way that they had it, it was basically almost like the double-breasted suit where it was like Four, three lines of buttons. Oh yeah, no, that's and I was like, that just seems... one line, and I'm good, thank you. I'm like with that a, just with seems a metal so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. All right, so now we're gonna end this episode with the children's fashion. So actually, they did not have much change in the 1930s. It's very similar to the 1920s fashion. Um, they still had their ankle socks, Mary Janes. Like we said earlier, sailor suits became popular for both girls and boys. Um, but the biggest thing at that time for children was the puffy sleeves for girls, and as, as well as the dresses outlining their waist, just similar uh, to the women. Yeah. Which, of course, if you think puffy little sleeves, you kind of think Shirley Temple, mm-hmm. who was a massive style icon for girls back then for younger girls because she was killing it in the movies during the (laughs) 30s um but again she was like four six years old whatever so yeah Yeah. very much for the little girls um but yeah at that time if you could afford it every little girl was wearing a puffy sleeved dress which (laughs) is not my favorite it's fine for a little girl but gosh me in my 20s wearing a puffy dress no oh god i'm not a big fan of of puffy sleeves just to begin with i think for little girls it's fine yeah but just eventually like it's like nope that's all (laughs) but yeah shirley temple big icon for little girls fashion See, celebrities are even influencing young children. Exactly. And, and the moms of those children more so. Because they probably had, some of them probably didn't know what they were wearing. Oh, exactly. But the, but the mothers knew. The mothers are like, oh, I must mothers know like that. <laughs> exactly. They'll be the next Shirley Temple. Exactly. 
All right, guys. Well, that was our 1930s fashion episode. Yes. <laughs> I know Megan enjoyed it much. again. <laughs> you know, it's education. You're learning about this stuff. And Megan only had like five pages of notes this time. I know. That's great. That's, <laughs> I think that's an improvement from last time. I think so. I think we'll be able to cut it down to below an hour and 20 minutes like the last episode. Oh, was. yes. Uh, I'm gonna we're warn you definitely now, lower than that. I'm gonna warn you now like the 40s and 50s oh gosh yeah though and probably the 60s oh it's gonna be so hard just that we got we have to maintain our timing and our notes on the 40s and 50s for sure I'm gonna do my best I promise but uh those might be along more the lines of the 20s because the 20s really was a more radical like fashion yeah so you had more to go over but the 30s like, it's not too crazy sort of thing. Just because yeah. all the stuff around the 30s was, like, a distraction kind of thing. But 40s, 50s, and 60s. And we just, personally, for both of us, we love the 40s and 50s fashion for sure. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's that's going to be really hard. Pretty but, much uh... to the point where I'm going to be having a lot more notes this time around, too. Yeah. Just because I love it. And, you know, we're going to bring Lucy fashion into it because, of course, I'll be in the 50s. But I'm going to bring Lucy, Lucy fashion, fashion in the 50s. I'm going to probably bring a little bit of bewitched fashion into the 60s. Like, oh, it's going to it's it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be fun. But that's that's a little bit ways away. So we won't tease you too we much about it. Um, but stay tuned for our next episode, which we won't say what it's about. But I'll just give you a little teaser. It's going to be another special birthday episode. So uh, if you want, you can go do your research and see what celebrities were born in May. Uh, we got a, wait, there's a good amount of celebrities. So we'll keep you guessing with that. Yeah, we got a ton we got to do in May. But um, yeah, if you want to do some research, see whose birthday's coming up. And guess which ones we're going to do? Because obviously we can't do everyone because no, it's a lot, we, guys. <laughs> we had to condense it as best that we could. But, um, uh, but yeah, they're, of course, very iconic and classic and wonderful. And it's going to be fun to do some yeah. research. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening to our 1930s fashion episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.